you know how we all got like quarantine extra money, like unemployment? I yeah. spent a lot of money and I'm getting a replica of the one they used on set. <laughs> so it's like, no. yeah, it's, <laughs> so it's gotta be like $300 more. <gasps> okay. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm so excited for it. It looks too real. I'm like, it looks so real. I like feel like I need to get set up a cameo for it so people can get like hellos from actual baby Yoda. Oh my Just, gosh. So if I could break even on it, then I don't feel bad about it. Like I feel bad that I spent so much money on it. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was like, based on the, on the podcast, I was going to guess that you spent a lot of money on Cubs hats and cameos. <laughs> <laughs> As I've been following along, I was like, Oh, someone's got their Rona money. <laughs> it's true but i'm also like always choosing the cheapest people like that's the other thing is like i'm like i'm not buying anybody who's worth anything i'm like who is the who's the the deal what's the budget cameo yeah yeah i just hey, got my cousin another that? one oh i think i what saw the mean? one that you posted but can you like leverage celebrity cameos like i don't know there's got to be a way where you can use that to to promote your own brand somehow if people yes. aren't already doing that you, they are, and you can, oh. and I suggest oh, okay. that. I don't know, because what I do is such only audio. Yeah. You're like, whose voice is famous enough? They're still cheap. Got it. If your voice is famous, you're not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and so okay. you're like, oh. <laughs> you're like, I don't want to spend $150 on anybody. I want to continue to spend the $25 on people you barely know. <laughs> okay so who is like your deepest cut like cameo purchase i mean i Which would is... say Cl clipper daryl clipper daryl's 25 dollars. <laughs> he's really only known to clipper fans or other los angeles people yeah he's that's like getting jim click to do a okay. cameo or something okay or like the or like the bicycle guy in tucson the guy that was super tanned like in the oh speedos. yeah did you ever see that guy sure yeah of course <laughs> by the way if you're if you're not from tucson jim click is the Ford dealer. He has the car dealerships in Tucson. Right. So the idea of getting him on a cameo would be perfect for only people in Tucson. Because everyone yeah. in town knows him. Anybody outside of even the county has no idea who he is. But I would buy a, a Jim Click cameo for sure. Like, hey everybody, <laughs> I'm Jim Click. And I think you should have a happy birthday. Like, that would be so perfect. Yeah. Is there, is there like a, uh, I don't know, is there like a like a club manager that you would love to get a cameo on or someone that does like a cool open mic or anything like that, that does cameo that you would like to get on. That's so niche. What? That's like, so I don't know, like someone that runs a club or runs an open mic that you'd be like, Oh, I wish I want them to do my, a cameo. I'd be offended if they did a cameo. There are, <laughs> there are some open micers that have them and you're just like, no, you don't deserve one. You're not a person that's known out there, you know, like, and if you're a yeah. club owner, Oh, yeah. F you. You don't own a club <laughs> so you can become a celebrity. That's not how that works. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there is one guy, I'm not going to say his name, who books a yeah. comedy club out here who has yeah. also made himself quite famous in it. Okay. And for being, pretty much for being a booker, and you're just like, no, you're oh. doing this wrong. You're self-serving. Your job yeah. is to serve, not to self-serve. That's like when a preacher becomes famous for being a preacher. You're like, your job was to make the Lord famous. <laughs> and you chose that platform to make you famous. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hey, one of the things based on, I, I can't remember. Wait, wait, before, you, before we get oh, too yeah. far off base, I just want to yeah. say this with my Rona money. I have oh, put yeah. half of it into 
savings and stock market stuff. So I have, I've been wise with it as well, but there's okay. still enough flowing over to <laughs> waste it into other things. So I'm sorry. So keep going. You were going to say, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the girl that was on a couple of weeks ago uh, and I, and her last name stands out to me because you, you spelt it. I think it's RC or RC. A R C E. Yeah. A R C. Um, so I was unaware at how big of a community and all the kind of unspoken rules there is among the comedians in that whole circuit. Like, uh, and, mm -hmm. and, um, do you know, just as like a fan of the podcast, it's been cool to get behind the scenes information. It's like, Oh, there's all these, it's, it's like, it's like golf, you know, like there's all these gentlemen yeah. rules in golf that I had no idea about. Oh, like baseball. I, Baseball's got a lot of not rule rules, you know, like, okay. <laughs> You're like it's never written anywhere, but like if you were on the team and you're like got it, but you're not on the team that's got it and you don't got it, like yeah. for instance, A Rod did that once. He was rounding oh. second, and yeah. two guys were coming at the ball, and he yelled "got it," and they both backed off, and it was considered hella disrespectful to the game. Okay, okay. And so he had to like apologize to like the game of baseball. Yeah, you know, like yeah, but same sort of thing. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm just curious. Like, what are what are like the top five? What are like the top five unspoken gentleman rules of comedy that only like uh, someone in the scene would be aware of? Don't wear shorts. You don't wear shorts? That's the rule? Yeah, shorts is like considered very disrespectful. Okay, so, like, but in some of the episodes, people talk about doing comedy like in jeans and, or sweatpants. Sure. Like, that's perfectly okay. Yeah, you know what? Sweatpants are better than shorts. <laughs> Um, also okay. like sandals you shouldn't be doing it in shorts and sandals and every year when it gets hot there's always somebody who's like new that's like fuck it i don't care it's my thing <laughs> and like everyone's just like but that's why we don't like you now like you're out like because especially like if you book them on a show you're not even supposed to do an open mics but if you book them on a show and they show up in shorts and sandals it's yeah. complete disrespect okay. that would be like when the people that show up to the gym in jeans Okay. You're like, you're okay. not here to actually work, are you? You're... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, it's that kind of thing. It's like when you see a jogger in jeans, and you're just like, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't do it for the job. Which, one of the unspoken rules of entertainment is okay. you want to dress nicer than the people in the audience. You um, want, okay. even if you jump into the crowd, to stand out as the performer that they are watching. Okay. And oh, that's so good. that's just like, in comedy, they say it should only be like one degree above. You should okay. want your casual to look better than their nice. And, oh, so, and so like there's like that whole thing. And so if you are already dressed like a complete slob, yeah, then you're like, no, <laughs> terrible. Don't do that. Um, yeah. Another weird unspoken rule is that if you take the mic out of the mic stand, you must take the mic stand and put it behind you. Oh, I've always seen comedians do that and always wondered about that. So that's a thing. That's a thing. Okay. But that's also just all of performing. You don't want anything to upstage you. Okay. And that yeah, literally if you just leave means, it out there. People fixate on it. Well, why is the mic stand there? Is it now a prop or something like that? No, right 100%. And also it's okay. in front of you and nothing should be between you and the audience. Wow. If you're going to connect to the audience, you can't have something you're hiding behind, even if it's a mic stand. And wow. so that's another unspoken rule. Um, I'm trying to think of like, although we speak these rules very clearly when someone's brand new and they do this, we okay. will tell them. And is there you anyone out there like some maverick that just like F the rules and, you know, and just like goes for it and just destroys them? All the time. 
all the time. Oh, there's okay. two so of them. All right. So there's the people who have no idea and they're just like, I don't care. I'm doing my own thing. And then yeah. we just sell them off to the weeds like they don't count anymore. Anyways, you're like, wow. oh, if you don't care about the rules then we don't care about you. Next. Got it. And then there are the people that always do it deliberately because that's their thing as they go against it. And those people always seem to burn out after a year or two. And it seems like within the time that it takes one of them to burn out, two or three months later, someone else shows up. And they're like, no one's doing that. And immediately just takes over that act. Which wow. is really funny because it's like a placeholder. There's always someone that makes fun of it and acts like, I'm the bad open micer, but that's why I'm good because I know I'm being bad. And you're uh, like, yes, but you all burn out and disappear. You're not, and none of you become good. So now what do you uh, do with you? <laughs> and, and so there's always, it's like, it needs to be one of those. Okay. And so it's almost okay. like in high school, you know, like in high school, like in, I know that if we were teachers in high school, you would see like, Oh, yes, that kid that's always left of center, there's always one, and it's always kind of the same. Yeah. It's the same thing within the open mic community. Yeah, that was you in high school, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Weren't you and that I'm sure kid? As, yeah, I was that kid. And I'm sure as soon as I left, there was another one that showed up in another derby hat. And they're like, yeah. oh, there's, there's another one, and his name is Jeremy now. You know, like, that's all that is. Dude, I mean, I don't know if there's an unspoken rule to not refer to previous episodes of the podcast, but this most recent episode with your brother – I realized, like, man, what a bad friend I am of Aaron's that I'd known him for so many years. I didn't know how many other siblings he had. So I had no idea that you had a brother. <laughs> I thought you knew all of them. <laughs> well, they're all living in different homes. How was I able to keep track of them? <laughs> that's also, that's very true. We're all living in different places. But um, I like that you're referring to a lot of it because it's almost like one of those, like, full house episodes where they just reference all the other episodes. That's what this okay. episode has become. Episode okay. 43 is already like. Well, hopefully, yeah, people go episodes. back and listen to episode 42 and, and then, the, oh, that guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're 40. just going through them all. That's so funny yeah. that you didn't, you didn't know I had other brothers? You well, went to or high no, school I did. With Jim. I mean, no, I, but I didn't know Jim was your brother and that he was going to UHS. I mean, I knew Chris because yeah. I met Chris later, you know, later mm -hmm. on. Uh, and obviously, he thought he was hilarious too. And then you have a sister as well. And that was, that yeah. was news to me. That was but Jim was a secret. Jim listens to this. He'll hear this for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a, it was a really cool episode. Really dug it. Now wait a second. So this is interesting <laughs> because Jim was afraid the episode was going to be no good. Okay. And he was like, "We could do it again if we need." And I was like, "I think it's fine." In fact, they even told him like, "I listened to it the next day," and I was like, "I think it's great actually." And yeah. then it came out, and now he's getting positive reinforcement, and he's like surprised by it. I talked to him last night, and he was like, "I can't believe people liked it." It was a total change of pace, like from a listener, from my perspective, it was just a different side, mm -hmm. you know, uh, which I, I appreciate it. It was good. Yeah. No, I told him, I was like, dude, I think it's my most personal one yet. And people like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I think the first episode I heard, it might be even episode one, I think an abortion got brought up or am I tripping? A is miscarriage. That, that, no, yeah. It started a with a miscarriage. Okay. Okay. Which, yeah, which I had a miscarriage. A crazy episode. Like you had me. You had me hooked, like, right from the beginning. I was like, oh, man, I'm, what's going on here? <laughs> well, oh. part of the interesting thing about that is that the miscarriage was never announced because the pregnancy was never announced because you're not supposed to in the first couple of months right. because of case of miscarriage. Yeah. And it definitely felt like we were on an island on our own dealing with those emotions, even from each other. Yeah. Wow. Because she wanted wow. to, like, talk about it with everybody. And I was like, you're supposed to talk about it with nobody. And then... <laughs> When it happened, because there's so many hormones that go through the body with pregnancy and then coming back from pregnancy and through the miscarriage, it's a whole other set of emotions. It's not like it's just like going backwards. 
you're now also going through grief. Mm. And I feel like we went through that separately, even though we were like together, there was still a separation. In no, did you guys end up breaking up or I didn't really follow up with the story? We well. broke up, we got back together. It's all these things. It's a whole thing. Like, oh, does that get teased out in any of the other episodes? No. <laughs> okay, sorry I refer to your life as like a as like a drama, like a like what season is, is that on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're referring it to like sorry. it's just another episode of Thirty Rock. Um, yeah. No, and I get it. No, and it, no, my life doesn't really get spelled out in that way. But yeah, they're like because the miscarriage, I really used. I think it's a fulcrum for the breakup because we were on our own islands, going through some very emotional things that were definitely relationship things. But yeah. we didn't open up the right amount of communication. We had less communication than we should have throughout all of that. And because mm. of all the hormones that were going through and everything else, like we didn't, you know, like it was like she'd bring something up and I just didn't match it. And so then all of a sudden there was rejection, mm. which made her feel like she could communicate less. And mm. so like it was all of those things were just a big whirlwind of problems. What's weird is like, I don't know. I, I don't know if you recognize this about yourself. So let me know. But I feel like you're you're a really deep empath. Like, I feel like you have a really strong ability to, to feel what other people are feeling. Maybe a lot of people don't get to see that, but did that, was there a lack of empathy on your part? Or, or I mean, where did you fail to connect with it? Uh, uh, there's both of us had that problem. Okay. So like, for instance, the day she had the miscarriage, this is like, uh, by the way, I love that you brought up so much, like these personal things because everyone's so afraid. I'm a to, fan like, of the show. Get... I'm a fan of the show. You're also I'm a fan of me as a human. Let's also go yeah. through that. But, <laughs> yeah, but also I'm not afraid to go through down these paths, but people are afraid to ask these questions. Oh, cool. And so yeah. like, um, like the day she had her miscarriage, she told me she thought she was having a miscarriage. I'm at work texting her mm -hmm. and I'm like, did you want me to come to the hospital? Yeah. And she was so offended that I even asked that. She was like, don't. And so I was like, okay. So I just sat at my desk awkwardly, like trying to work, but also like being completely unfocused because yeah, I like, know that someone's having a miscarriage. It's like, a, I want to call it my miscarriage. Is that too much to make that a personalized our, thing? Our miscarriage, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was having our miscarriage. And I was yeah. like, all right, I guess she's in the hospital. And I guess I just wait because she said no, because it's such a personal thing. What's going on? That if yeah. somebody was like, no, I don't want you at the hospital while I'm bleeding out and doing all these other things, mm. um, it would make sense. I don't know what level I was supposed to have, but then all of a sudden it was in her mind, like, how dare you not just show up because you know what I'm going through and you should be there for me. And I was like, but I asked. Mm. I asked. I don't know how to deal with this as an emotion where it was mm. like, because then mm. like two hours later, I got a text. It was like, so you're really not coming? And I was like, you, saw, you told me not to come. And, <laughs> And so then, like, now I, at this point, at this point in time, I mean, you really cared about this girl. Of course. Strong feelings. And you know, I still wow. care about this girl. Yeah, no, all these things. And then, um, and so all of this is going on. And that was a very heavy thing. And like, I had to go to my boss, who I've told nobody she's pregnant. And I went to my boss and I was like, hey, um, this is weird, oh. but I'm going to leave work right now. And my boss jokingly was like, your girlfriend's having a, a miscarriage. And I was like, yes. Right? Like he No. Exactly. And then he was like, Oh wait, no shit, close the door. I was making a joke. Oh. And I was like, Oh, for real. That's exactly what's happening. Oh. Like he like called it out of the gate as a, just a weird joke. Yeah. And I was wow. like, Hey, I apparently should have left two hours ago, but she told me no. But she said that in the matter that she thought I was going to raise to the occasion and just show up. 
I yeah. took it all at face value, which I guess I'm not supposed to do. And my mom's like, <laughs> like an idiot, I listened. <laughs> oh, no. No, exactly. I can't no, believe like, he pulled that out of his hat. Oh, completely. And oh. so, like, so then I get there, but, like, by the time I got to the hospital, she's, like, mad that I wasn't there hours earlier. And so you're just like, oh, no. Well, I'm, right. like, I'm in the doghouse. I'm doing the right thing. I thought mm. I'm apparently doing the wrong thing. And so, like, that kind of thing brought me further into my show. Mm. Which, by the okay. way, I learned about all these emotions much later. You know, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. you don't know that at the time where she is emotionally. I didn't learn where she was emotionally until way after these things happened. And yeah. so, like, I just knew that I was in the doctor's office and she wasn't talking much. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Like, she's going through a big emotional thing. Maybe this is how she goes. I've never seen someone go through this kind of a big emotional mm. thing before. Like, mm -hmm. how do you know how someone's going to handle a miscarriage until they do? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and at any point, did you feel ill-equipped to say, hey, how are you feeling right now? How, I mean, ask questions like, feign being interested. Were there any of those, like, did you feel that drive to, let me find a way to bring some kind of comfort here? I wish I knew the answer to that in the sense that I feel like I must have, but maybe mm. I didn't. But okay. I don't have any defined enough memory to know if I did and it was immediately shot down or not to give you Got that it. answer. Got it. Um, I feel like emotionally I'm the person that would do that. Yeah. But maybe I missed that step because, you know, mm. like I know that that day for her was a big misstep on me. Wow. It was just like, wow. oh, yeah, when I needed that guy, he wasn't there emotionally. I had to force him oh. to be there physically. And you're like. You didn't have to force me to be there physically. I wanted to be there. I asked, but I was also denied. Yeah. So now what? How does someone handle this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, like that whole right. thing. And then it's like also you're like, when you go through all that, you're like, do I tell my family that I got somebody pregnant and there was a miscarriage? Or do I say nothing mm -hmm. because it's the same result? You know, mm -hmm. you're like, yeah. why bring up that thing when that thing is also not going to flourish? It's already, mm -hmm. it's already passed. And so you're just like, I don't, I don't know how yeah. to handle that either and yeah. so the way i handled that was i made it an episode of the podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> the first episode the uh, first episode right the, yeah the i made it the first 30 of the seconds of the podcast yeah and then people would send me text messages what's funny was that when i released it i got text messages like hey congratulations and then like 10 minutes later like oh wait never mind i missed something <laughs> 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 i got a bunch of those yeah and then um yeah. But it's also like just you going through all of that. It's just yeah. so much. And it I, uh, yeah, now at this point, I feel like it's like, well, I should send her the Danny episode and make sure this much information should be shared with the world. I know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> we could totally, we could pivot. We could pivot from here. You know, I just, those are the, the things that, that I recall. And, and uh, no, of course. About no, no, no. I think those are really great. Well, I think those are great questions to ask about these sort of things mm. because people are afraid to talk about these things. And like so many miscarriages happen that I thought it was important to talk about in some sort of open manner to show right. people that it is okay to talk about these things. Yeah. And, it, and it's even okay to say, I don't know how to talk about these things. Like, you know, and which you just is still talking that. about it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It, like you don't know where you're at emotionally is as important as knowing yeah. how you're at emotionally. I it's kind like, of like, I think a sign of intelligence is knowing what you don't know. Come on. Yeah. No, that'll preach, man. I, I feel like even, even with what's going on now, right, with, with racial reconciliation and 
I, I think there's not enough people out there who are willing to say, look, I don't know how to talk about race in a way that isn't incendiary or, or divisive, like, but I want to try. <laughs> can, can I talk about this with someone? Is there a no, that, you're, and you're so right. And you, you're right. You don't hear many people. Everyone's either like, I was always on this bandwagon. Or, yeah. or they were like, all lives matter. Like they chose a side already instead of being like, hey, I'm a stupid idiot. Explain both sides to me. Yeah, yeah. I think a little bit of humility goes a long way uh, uh, yeah. with all that, you know. Yeah, there should be a show it's called crazy. I'm a Stupid Idiot where someone actually just <laughs> listens to both sides. Yeah, yeah. But and you just confess you're ignorant and you're like, it's a safe place for that to happen. But I feel like there's no permission to allow that to happen, especially on social media. Like there's no place for you to say, hey, look, I'm ignorant on these topics. Like, is there a book that everyone read that I don't know about <laughs> out there? Like, is there one <laughs> book? <laughs> yeah, the book's called You Should Already Know. Check it yeah. out. And you're like, how was I supposed to learn? <laughs> I'm on yeah. the New York bestseller list all the time, you know? Yeah, social media is so awful at the ability to give someone the amount of room it takes to grow mm. as a human. They're like, there shouldn't we all be fully formed immediately? <laughs> and you're like, nobody is. <laughs> no yeah. one is. That's why it's like when someone gets in trouble for something they did 20 years ago. I understand if it's horrific. Yeah, you got to do what you yeah, got to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. when they're like, I found this tweet and it was 12 years ago and the person was 14 at the time and now they're 26 and they're in baseball. You're like... It's really possible for the 14-year-old to have learned, you know? Mm, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to talk to the 26-year-old baseball player and say, hey, remember that thing you tweeted when you were 14? Did you yeah. learn from that? And for them to be like, I was an idiot 14-year-old. And then we should all just go back to regular life. Yeah, yeah. Instead of being like, oh, no, no, you need – your life is over now. Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. What if, when it comes to, like, you know, for you, for you guys in the, in the comedic world, uh, and I'm, I mean – I my profession's a little bit differently, but I'm a, I'm a communicator. Like I get paid to, to communicate with people and have conversations like this. Do you want people but, to know what you do? So it's not so ambiguous. <laughs> if you do. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, I, yeah, no, that, that's true. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a pastor in the Northwest and uh, just outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, been doing and we also didn't cover years. that. I've been friends with you since high school. We did not cover that. We did so, yeah. not cover that. Yeah, just yeah. a little bit of background. I met you sophomore year of high school. We ran in different yeah. crowds completely. Yes. But I, for some reason, singled you out and was like, nope, <laughs> that guy's cool as shit. And no one knows it yet. And I don't think, like, if I was to describe you, you were like a flower yeah. before you blossomed because you didn't realize you were cool as shit yet. Your friends didn't realize you were cool. Yeah, yeah. You were just I mean, like I this... didn't even know I was cool. I thought you were cool. I thought... I thought this guy wears a dress to class and he carries a guitar and listens to the Beatles. That guy is cool. He does not care. That fact has never been revealed on the podcast yet. I knew it was going to oh, come eventually. No, oh, no. God. I thought my brother was going to bring it up when we were talking to him. But of course, no, like I gave so much I don't give a fuck. And it wasn't because I didn't as much as it was like, no, you guys, my, this is how I'm setting my boundaries. You all need to treat me from a mile of emotional distance, <laughs> right? And, you're like, and this yeah. is how I'm going to do it. And I no, did dude, radical your things. Your blast radius, your blast radius of like, I don't care was so, it, it, it was like, like, like moths to a flame, dude, for me. You know, I was like, I want to, I want a drink of that Kool-Aid. Like, how do I land there? Because I had transferred to that high school. I'd gone to another high school. So I transferred to that high school, uh, Rincon High School, which you mentioned in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just so desperate to like meet people, you know? So there, at one point there was like a, there was like this desperation to make friends. 
-hmm. then deep down inside, there was like this vanity for no vanity that Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to be like that guy who doesn't care. You know, (laughs) how do I get there? Well, maybe I'll just hang out with him or try to talk to him. And here I was a flaming ball of don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Which I know like on the other side, people are just like, but doesn't that mean you really care too much? And I really Mm. didn't. I really yeah. didn't. I wanted to be able to walk in and out of that building and not really be bothered. And you're like, but wouldn't wearing a dress to school mean you're being ultimately bothered? And you're right. like, no. In fact, <laughs> it was the opposite. Everyone kept their distance exactly where I wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the amazing thing. I wasn't bought. Nobody teased me for that ever. No. And not I mean, once. It, it rings not one not person. like a, in a nice part. Of, I mean, there's some like ghetto people. It, it was pretty hood, you know, regarded had some roughnecks mm-hmm. there. For and sure, but yeah. But you just I, did your own thing. And I think that really, that day really defined it and everyone just accepted it. It was really actually yeah. pretty amazing at the level of acceptance I got over that. Because mm. it was yeah. like, I don't, yeah, I don't recall any negative anything from that at all. Wow, that's cool. Oh, that's super that cool. Now, did, did that, because, and then I feel like that's like the a constant theme in your life, like, I'm going to move to Chicago. I'm going to move to LA. Like, did, this, did that same fire, did that same fire kind of fuel those decisions? No, no, that, no. That's two separate fires completely. Okay. Okay. I yeah, always, where did that come from? Always wanted to get into comedy. Always. Mm. So I went to Chicago because that's where Del Close taught improv comedy. Okay. And I knew who Del Close was. I knew what improv was. I knew what the second city was. I idolized Bill Murray. And I'm like, that's where I'm going. I'm going where Mm. Bill Murray learned comedy from the guy who taught Bill Murray. Mm. I'm going to be the next Bill Murray. Wow. I knew all of those facts until I got to Chicago and I went to that building. And they were like, Del Close died years ago. And you're like, did not look that part up. I did not know he's <laughs> No. Oh, no. Now, I'm surely he had, like, a like a protege that he left, you know, in charge or whatever. Yeah, her name's Sharna, and I don't like okay. her. But not a lot oh. of people do. No, exactly. Oh. And I feel yeah. like she was kind of – whatever WWE was, she was WCW. Okay, like, she's got to try to carve her own niche, and it's – Because really there was a point in time during his life they broke apart, and then she was like, well, I'm going to teach everything you teach. And he's like, I'm still alive. I'm going to teach with my legacy. And she started another thing called the Improv Olympic that I just didn't quite follow down that rabbit hole. In my mind, it was just like, I don't want the WCW Heavyweight Championship belt if I want the WWE Championship belt. Mm. I don't want – go bots i want transformers yes come on so like, you don't I want just, yeah yeah I, uh you made the battletoads reference in the last episode yeah i don't want i don't want battletoads i went into turtles exactly that and so you're just like no i don't want to be like well if i can't climb mountain a then i'll just climb mountain b and you're like no i gotta find my own way up mountain a and i did a little bit of the improv stuff although it never really clicked well with me to tell you the honest yeah. to god truth i don't play well with others <laughs> i don't and that's essential for improv i mean i, I have no idea it is yeah no you're in you're in troops you're okay. in squads and then i oh. went back to um tucson thinking that maybe i got it out of my system clearly i did yeah. not years later moved out to la to do stand-up and i was like oh i don't need to play well with others here in fact mm. playing against others might actually work in my favor and now is so, it super competitive? Like, is, is comedy competitive in that way? I don't believe it is. 
I honestly don't. People will say that it is, but it's yeah. not. You're really only being competitive with yourself. I said in the earlier episode, you only have to worry about being better than your last set. Once you get strong enough, nobody is an amazing stand-up comic and not noticed. And so it's kind of like bodybuilding mm. in the sense of you're like, yeah, mm -hmm. there is a competition where you all go and flex. Mm -hmm. But there, you're a bodybuilder if you're in that competition. Mm. And you're like, no one's yeah. faking the, all the working out you did. Right, right. If and you're so at that it's point, like, it's noticeable. Yeah, so I feel like being one of those kind of big comedians is being like a bodybuilder, except the muscles are your, your humor. And once you get to that mm. level of humor, you're at that level of comedy buff. And you're like, no, no, that's, mm. that's what that is. And so you're just still working that out. Wow, that's cool. Hey, you brought up uh, wrestling a, a couple seconds ago. Because of often. your podcast. Well, I don't. Because of your <laughs> podcast, I started going back and like getting caught up on like the last 15 years of wrestling that I didn't watch. Uh, so, <laughs> like, Do you have I any favorites? Post, well, post-Wolf Pack, like, and there was the red and the black and then the white and the black. Okay. Yeah. And was the Wolf Pack just the red and black? Or and yeah. yeah, I'm trying. Okay, I'm trying to get it sorted. Okay, mm -hmm. At, like I know nothing until like last week, so I've been trying to catch up on, <laughs> on all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't get the what do I not get? Um, I don't know what NXT is, but I know that's a thing. And mm -hmm. then at some point, WWF changed their name to WWE, and then I'm assuming they incorporated entertainment as opposed to federation. Mm -hmm. But kind of catching up. Where are the big movements there? Okay. So I'm going to make this fast, and I'm not going to hang out on wrestling too long because yeah. I feel like this should be welcoming to non-wrestling people, and they will just zone out through this. Oh, but, got it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there is the World Wildlife Foundation that preserves endangered species right, yeah. that's been around longer than the WWF, but they both use the same letters. Somewhere right. in the late 90s, maybe early 2000s, the World Wildlife Foundation sued WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, for that name. Where they're just like, hey, it's too hard to find us now that websites are a thing. Because okay. it wasn't a big deal until websites were a thing. And then they're like, we want the WWF.com website. So we're going to have to sue you for WWF as an entirety. And we definitely had it before you. Wow. And they were so right because they, you know, w, World Wrestling Federation, are billionaires world wildlife fund is not right and so like their case was so strong that the billionaires were like you're right we're changing our name like there wasn't even a legal wow. fight they just okay. dropped it also it would have okay. been a pr nightmare if they were to try to go up against someone who's saving wildlife Got and it. so they just changed it to wwe because they're like we can just we're on tv every week we can beat this dead horse until the point that people recognize that this is world wrestling entertainment that's right. how that changed now, at the same time, is that when they kind of conceded, like, yeah, this is all kind of made up? Like, once they, is, was that a kind of like a, an omission, like, we're no. entertainment? No, okay. no, it had nothing to do with that. They did admit oh, okay. sort of that in the 90s as wrestling became more of an internet phenomenon that people would just go on and on about on the internet forever. Because yeah. people are like, hey, I saw these two wrestlers that supposedly hate each other at a diner last night. And then other wrestling fans are like, what? At the same time, you know, like, you're just like, yeah, they hung out. Because yeah. it used to be, like, back then, like, if you were traveling with, like, your ring partner, the guy that you're, like, you'd drive from one city to the next and talk about what your match was going to be like at the pay-per-view and plan it out. That doesn't happen anymore now that we have all this other stuff. Although they would used to, like, 
if you're the bad guy, you don't go in the restaurant with the good guy sort of thing. They had that figured out. Now, to this other thing. Okay. So, like, they admitted that kind of in the 90s before that other thing. That's not an admission. It just happened all around the same five-year period. WCW was bought out by WWS. Oh. Oh, Vince McMahon bought them completely. Once he bought all of his competitors, there was nowhere for them to really scout talent from. Okay. So they invented this thing called NXT, which is WWE owned, and it's a place in Florida where they all wrestle in the same venue every single week. And they, it's their performance centers down there. And there's a way to scout talent and to make them grow into kind of, it's their minor leagues. Although now their minor leagues ended up on TV and then they put some of their big league guys down there. So now it's just another brand of it, but it started off as the minor leagues, but the minor leagues became popular. Got it. So that's what that is. Okay. Uh, if anybody has tuned out, I get it. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. But dude, that summary, that summary, that was so great. Yeah. The business Like two minutes. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that was like 17 minutes. <laughs> I, I, it literally, it literally from my, cause I was taking it on and I was plugged into the matrix. It felt like two minutes. So. Oh, good. Well, yeah. for those coming back from the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're going to get a new matrix. Did you hear about that? Are you excited? What? They're, 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 they're doing the ma- like matrix four. Oh, I thought you were like talking about like how we're in a simulation. <laughs> oh, I, I took that I, to be I'm way also- more literal. Yeah, yeah. No, I, we're like yeah, we're getting I, into a new matrix. I'm like, oh no. I went full Tesla on you. Like Elon Musk just brah, came out and yeah, exactly. Yeah. I haven't liked anything except for the first Matrix and half of the Animatrix DVD. When you remember, if you remember that cartoon series, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched that series with you. Yeah, remember, yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. I haven't liked any other Matrix anything, so I don't care about Matrix Four. I hope Matrix Four. It, turns into bill and ted three you know like that's what oh, i want yeah which yeah. looks great wait yeah. you said you had questions for me about my mom yes okay yeah and i mean so first learning learning about uh you know the, the different siblings um which was huge for me uh because i was like oh man you know i guess we never really talked about that part of growing up but i guess I was we were like, really super close my siblings yeah. weren't very active in my life in fact it was kind of the opposite i was really again an island out there mm, so yeah. like i mean and you said they didn't reach time, out till they were like 18 or something right yeah yeah at the time that we were at our closest i would say uh you were my brother and they were not <laughs> yeah that's right i no, apologize right. to my literal brothers who both listen to this <laughs> But we all know that there was a gap in time, you know, like we we can yeah. acknowledge that. Yeah. So I guess, no, I was curious, uh, you know, how old you were uh, when your parents split and how you processed making that decision. Like I'm going here, they're going there. And, and yeah, like, how did you, how did you make those decisions being so young? I didn't make those decisions. Mm. That's not on me. They're not like Aaron, you're in eighth grade. What do you want your life to be? It's like you're in eighth grade. This is what's going to happen to your life. Um, wow. So it was the middle of eighth grade. I remember I began eighth grade at Townsend Middle School and ended it in Vail. So I literally mm. only went to the element, the middle school I graduated from. I was only there for one semester. Mm. Okay. And there was the decision made that I would live with my dad. Uh, I still. And you had no believed. say. I don't recall a conversation or any say about it. Wow um there maybe was it was a long time ago and it wasn't mm-hmm. my recollection of that 
is that I knew how to cook and my job was to cook for my dad at that period of time. Wow. Because he really kind of didn't. I rem- as the story goes that I remember, this is going to be personal for my dad. After he divorced my mom, he kind of, uh, or she left. However, that's going to go down. My yeah. mom ended the marriage. And then my dad moved out on his own. And after like a week or two, he passed out at work. And they found out he wasn't eating properly. Whoa. So he was malnourished. Well, didn't he work at Raytheon? Is that right? Do I remember mm-hmm. that correctly? That okay. is correct. Okay. Um, doesn't anymore. He's retired now. <laughs> and, but there's a, and so then it was just like, after that, then it was like, all right, well, we should get somebody in here. And like, so like, I started like, just like cooking pasta, just real simple things to put together. It wasn't like I was cooking anything great, yeah. but it know, wasn't like, like our vegan years when we, you and I were both vegan learning how to cook and get by. I learned so remember much. That? Of course I do. Like that was, I remember being having my mind blown. That's like nobody ever teaches you how to eat. Right. No one does. They just put food in front of you or whatever, and then they're just like, "There we go." But they, they don't ever explain like, "Hey, this is starch. It's extra. You don't need it. This is protein. You actually need this." Oh, yeah. by the way, if you only eat protein and not the fibers, you're not gonna poop right. Like no one teaches yeah. you any of that. I didn't learn that until the vegan thing. And I remember my first like two weeks of veganism. My roommate Jericho was like, hey, I've been watching and I noticed you haven't eaten any protein in two weeks. So you got to, I understand what you're doing. You might want to have a hamburger right now and then learn how to throw vegan protein in. But he was also like, but I can show you, you need beans. You need this. Like Jericho taught me like, oh, you can't just sit there and have rice and broccoli and think like that's a full, that's going to get you by. You're going to get sick in other ways. No, exactly. Yeah. So, like, Jericho saw me doing it ignorantly. Yeah. And then was just like, no, dude. you have to learn the right way to go about this. Like, this is – I'm not saying veganism isn't healthy, but the way you're going about veganism, just thinking that as long as it's not any animal product you're good is not right. how your body works either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in my okay. mind, it was all just like, I put in food. My body takes out food. That's it. Like, I didn't right. think of anything else about food. Wow. Okay. So, okay. So that gives me context. Cause when you started cooking and dabbling with veganism, I grew up with a single mom. My mom worked mm-hmm. two jobs. My brother and I, you know, were at home all the time. So from the moment I was like five years old to, yeah, I mean, whenever I moved out, I was always cooking for myself. So I had that background, but I didn't, I assumed you and your dad lived the bachelor lifestyle. I didn't know that while you live with your dad, you were there uh, serving him like domestically as a you know as an in-house <laughs> cook like that's crazy a little I bit, never knew that. Yeah. yeah yeah there was some of that and like I you know I had to learn how to do some of that stuff too like I like I said I didn't know that other stuff to my 20s so in my mind I'm like pasta's a meal and so I'd make mm-hmm. pasta you know but like my dad also like I remember he bought a lot of frozen steaks so I made sure to do that you know like and it was mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff I learned a lot of it was just learning how to heat up frozen things but it was like frozen chicken breast i had to learn how to thaw it out before cooking it so it was cooked all the way through sort of stuff hmm. but it's just so what was your dad like what was, he, what was he like like doc M, dr emmett brown you know like just mad scientist doing his math and and neglecting his nutrition or like what what was it about your dad that he didn't capable in well, I mean you gotta you gotta job. keep in mind my dad was going through a divorce at the time so i don't think he mm. was necessarily thinking okay. all that stuff through fully okay. um and so, like, you know, like, I, I think it was just some depressed eating. As he said, it was, like, a lot of uh, 
like whipped cream and ice cream and stuff and it was like there there okay this is mm. that and so it wasn't I don't think he was fully thinking that out as much you know like it was just like feeling sad his marriage it was not working out and so mm. what can I try to eat to feel better and I mm. think it was sort of that thing more than anything else okay, okay. like he could have he could have figured it out but then it was also yeah. I think part of it and the depression of it was like no I need somebody here I built a life for myself. It's not like the life isn't taken away from me. I have kids and I love my kids and they love me. And so we should have some of that in the house. I think mm. some of that is a part of it too. Wow. That's intense. So like, yeah. did you, did you and your mom ever reconcile after all that or what's No, what's that we still haven't. That's to this day, we haven't. Wow. Now, is it because, and maybe you don't know since you haven't really been in much contact, but is it because she feels like you chose your dad over her? I assumed that for many, many years. I do not oh, okay. know that for sure. Um, I haven't been able to get any confirmation on that. I might never get confirmation on that. Mm. Because that would also take a certain amount of awareness from her that I'm not sure she has or is willing to share. Mm. You know, like, and I've reached out a couple times over the years and I've gotten some pretty negative response. I um, also, the last time I reached out, she was like, I'd be willing to work on this. And I was like, okay. And we never talked about it again because I'm not sure that's the kind of thing we can work out through Facebook. You know, she lives in Florida. I live in California. It's not, it's something I like to be more delicate with. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. I don't want to just like ram it back and forth. Wow. Um, my last so she moved, heavy, she moved to, to Florida right away or was that after some no, time? No, it was after some time. I mean, yeah, I remember I haven't oh, okay. really had a relationship with her in over 20 years. So there's oh, yeah. a lot of time for us to have fallen yeah. apart. Uh, like wow. she lived in like Alaska for a bit and uh, Nevada. And then she moved back to Arizona. And then I don't remember where she met. She has a husband now. I'm not going to say their names because they didn't agree to anything. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I don't, I think she met her husband in Phoenix. She lives in Phoenix. Yes, she did. She lives in Phoenix, dental hygienist, met him at, jo at the job. Mm. They connected got married. From what I can tell, it looks like a really happy, good marriage. And then he mm. got transferred into Florida and now she lives in Florida with him. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. But it seems like the happiest she's been in a marriage. And so, mm. so I'm happy about that. That sounds good. Yeah. And then you said that you have family in LA, that you like met all her side of the family in LA. Is that where yeah. she's originally mm -hmm. from? Uh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's from LA. Oh, she's okay. from out here. So, like, who's out there? Aunts, uncles, mom, you know, grandparents? Her brothers, her sisters. Not, uh, there's a couple of her sisters that have moved out, but like, her brothers are out here. Her mom, you know, like her stepdad. So, my grandfather is actually a stepdad. Okay. Yeah. For her. So, it's a step grandpa, I guess. Okay. I've known okay. him my whole life. We just call him Wayne. <laughs> not, not Grandpa Wayne? Sometimes. <laughs> um, but it's nothing like. <laughs> He's cool. And uh, they're all out there. So yeah, her brothers. I mean, and then of course their kids and stuff. There's like a whole generation of them out there. Wow. And that my cousin Melissa's from my mother's side. And Melissa, okay. I'll say freely because she's become like my best friend in Los Angeles. Yeah. She seems like a dominant, and I hate to use the word character, but a, you know, person in the podcast, like her name comes up all the time. Oh yeah, no, Melissa's a big part of my life. In fact, okay. I when you text me right now, you're like, I'm ready for the thing. I was FaceTiming Melissa. I was like, well, I better oh, go. Okay. So yeah, no, Melissa yeah. and I talk all the time. She's great. Oh, that's cool. 
yeah, she's sure. a heavy part of my life. I'm a heavy part of her life. I go to her family's uh, house for like Thanksgiving and Easter and Christmas and all that stuff. Oh, that's good. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, man, that's uh, it's a great source of family. I got open. Yeah. I think, you know, when, when we met back in high school and, and you would briefly share about what was really relatively fresh for you at your parents' separation. Like that was always so strange to me uh, that you ended up with your dad and not with your mom. And then over the years, the, the distance emotionally, relationally between you and your mom, because mm -hmm. as you know, my, my mom's here, my mom came from Arizona to visit. She's in, in yeah. uh, Washington right now visiting. And I mean, we were super close. So I was posed with the same decision you were posed with, but I was four years old. And it was stay with my dad or lie to my dad and, and sneak away and flee Mexico to move to the United States with my mom. And, that, and so, you know, like meeting you, I was like, whoa, I can't What's even imagine. What's crazy is it like the, that sentence is way more interesting than my whole life in my mind. You <laughs> fled a country and moved to the other one. It's like people are going to hear that and be like, wait, why was the podcast about Aaron? It should have been about Danny the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, no, this is, a, you know, this is a crazy time, man. It's crazy, but yeah, that's where we. So I've just, I was always like, man, what would it be like? It's like you lived the other life that I didn't, you know. Um, you ended up with your dad, and uh -huh. did he teach you how to change the oil on your car, like all those manly things, you know? Like, did he show you how to lift weights? Did he teach you how to fix a, a you know, a broken dishwasher? This goes to show how much you don't know my dad. My dad. <laughs> I saw him once. I saw him like once. <laughs> no, because my dad was always like, my dad was a very tech guy. He's very tech savvy. He's like really yeah. smart. And so in his mind, I think it was like, no, no, no. If I get a great, like he's, I feel like he's blue collar, but also white collar at the same time in the sense that it's like, he was an engineer, but like it took a lot of mathematics and science for him to be able to do his job well. And because of that, you know, he had a job that paid well. And so I was like, yeah. oh, no, no, no. I'm really good at this thing. So when those kinds of problems happen, I can have somebody change my oil for me. And like, some, yeah, yeah. I'll I can hire someone else to do my tire when that goes flat. He doesn't have to worry about right. those problems because he's like, no, no, because I can work on these much more bigger, complex things of a different nature somewhere else. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think of it in the sense of like, where some people are like, if you're rich enough, you don't got to do that. My dad was never that mentality. As much mm. as he was like, no, my trade is much more technical. It's not the kind of trade that is like a, like a mechanic. Yeah. So what, what were some of the other, like, you, you know, someone would call that like, yeah, like a, a geeky, nerdy tech dad, you know, like, did he yeah. have any of those stereotypical things and, and what were they? Oh, no, I think my dad was, uh, I think my dad's a great basis of like 80s nerd for sure. Like oh, he really? had the watch with a calculator. Yeah, my dad. The Casio, was, that thing is a good, that thing is legendary. Yeah, if I was to make an action figure of my dad, classic my dad. Okay. I'm not choosing dad now. Dad I grew up with, he would have that Casio watch on for sure. Like my dad, he like, he, he raised us on Star Trek. He raised us on Dr. Demento. He raised us on very nerdy things. Okay. But also my dad was funny. And so like, it wasn't like it was, it didn't feel awkward that my dad liked these things. It felt cool that my dad liked these things. And he got us very coolly excited for these nerd things too. Okay. Like, so is, it, is that where the comedy started for you? Like from your dad? The comedy started because my dad appreciates comedians. Oh. My dad has a respect for these comedians and a reverence for them. And so no. therefore, of course he does. Oh, so at an early age, you learned 
uh, if I'm going to receive love and admiration, it's when I'm being funny. Yeah. So it was like a oh, strategy easily. for you. Of course. Wow. That's not even, it's not even a question in my mind. Wow. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you get respect and get listened to. Wow. They'll listen Does to your dad your think sentence. you're funny? Yes. Wow. It took me years to figure that out. Um, okay. I remember in high school, we had a student. I said something. I forget what it was. I know that it was irreverent. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. And it made the class laugh and the teacher laugh. And he goes, okay, um, you can't say that. But that was funny. Thank you. <laughs> and then I remember a kid leaning in and be like, do your parents think you're funny? Because you're like funny. And yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> like, I, don't recall, I don't recall making my dad laugh until I was an adult. And now that I'm an adult and I've defined adult boundaries with my dad, ever since that yeah. happened, when he's been able to kind of let go of like, oh, no, 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 I'm talking to my son. This is not like raising him. This, I'm just talking to my son. Right. So we, since we got out of the raising them, now that I'm officially out of the nest and all of the nest emotions are gone, yeah, he'll laugh at my jokes. And I feel like I can kind of, I don't want to say it like, it's like I could do it at will, but it's like, it happens when I want it to. You're like, oh, I'm going to You know the buttons joke. where they and are. Yeah, now. yeah, I can make them land. Yeah. yeah. And I don't abuse it, I, but I can make it land. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, but also, <laughs> it's more important for me to get my emotions across with my dad than it is for me to get my jokes across with my dad. Mm, that's important okay. for me, and I know that's important for me, so I make that perfectly clear. And I talk to my dad a lot about my emotions and how I feel about things, more so than mm. the jokes, because I feel like mm. I need that to have a healthy relationship with them, with wow. anybody, really. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like uh, that's, you know, the – when you reached out to, or your siblings reached out to you, or however that worked, and ha you had them on the podcast, is that some of that, like your need to have your emotions understood with your siblings, is that kind of come from? I've had to place? do that with all of them individually. Yeah, for sure. I've I've made my emotions known. I've made my emotional needs known, and I couldn't be happier about it. Awesome. And I had to learn how to say that, and I had to learn how to communicate that, and I had to learn that that was the most important. That's really what I'm searching for in all this. Mm. All do you think that, that you'll you still need to do that with your mom at some point, or or you're good without it? I have to come to the conclusion that I'm fine either way. If it happens, yeah. it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. at different times, I've she's been accepting of that idea and or not, and at different times, I've been accepting of that idea or not. So there's a yeah. responsibility of that too. It hasn't lined up where we've both been on the same emotional page at the same moment to be able to do that right. What part, what, what piece do you, like what part of this whole thing, this, I don't want to use the word conflict if, if that's not the right word, but what part of the whole situation? We'll call it battle. You, the, the battle royale, <laughs> uh, the Royal Rumble. What part of the Royal Rumble uh, mm -hmm. do you feel responsible for or are you willing to expect responsibility for? I don't if any I don't know that because there is a certain okay. point where I go I was a kid so I shouldn't be responsible for exactly anything. um and I have told that to my mom a little bit because she feels like I left the house and I was like really I don't recall I'm it was a child I couldn't be totally responsible mm -hmm. for that but I'm willing to accept I mean a decent chunk of it Wow. I feel like I'm good at being told I'm wrong and being able to sit down and be like, I am wrong or I have been wrong. I don't feel like I get super defensive about that. But I also feel mm. like other personalities refuse to believe they've ever been wrong. Mm. Mm. But specifically yeah. my mom, 
I feel like still hangs on to she's emotionally defensive like a teenager from what I remember Hmm. but I haven't been around her in a long period of time in so many decades it'd be unfair for me to project any of her feelings onto her at this point yeah 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 there's a lot to be said about emotional intelligence you know a lot of research and a lot of companies hire based on EQ Uh, and there's a great great book not not no I'm allowed to share a book on here but it's called emotionally healthy spirituality mm. it's a great great book uh for anyone you can bleep that out bleep it out later if it's not allowed to, to yeah we don't we bleep out books <laughs> uh, funny thing is my grandfather tried to give me a book yeah i'm uh right now i'm down here uh taking care of my grandparents and they my grandpa my grandfather tried to give me all of his books Aww. and he goes i don't think i'm good in there <laughs> their books is there ever anything and he said it was funny because he was like uh you can have these books i'm I'm probably never going to read another book again. And I was like, Whoa. yeah, but neither am I. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> I've decided that a long time ago. I have the internet, Grandpa. I can just read exactly the amount I want to read. Got it. I'll send you a YouTube link with like a summary of the. Uh, yeah, exactly. But send me the audio book. Like, yeah. Well, it's this idea that like you can't be uh, fully mature unless you develop that part of you, that emotional part. And uh, the author talks a lot about people being emotional adolescents and how that gets prolonged and, mm-hmm. and the signs of emotional immaturity. And it was really good. But, but when you brought that up about your mom, that's what that reminded me of. Because I recognize yeah, in my sure. own life, in my own life, there was areas where emotionally it was very underdeveloped and, and, and still have ways to go, you know, growing. Oh, me too. I mean, I think that's part of why we're friends. That's right is because we have that awareness, but also not, where we're like, I want to do this stupid thing. Like, like we'd buy a box of dilly bars and eat it as if it was a meal. <laughs> but at the same time, we're also really open to having these conversations about like, what do you think you need to work on emotionally? Mm, I feel yeah. like we had those conversations a lot in our early 20s. And totally. I, we never, we never said it that maturely, but we definitely breached down on those subjects over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's a thing that a lot of 20 year olds really do with a lot of people. No. And you know, it's funny though. That's a part of my twenties that I feel like I'm starting to regain. I mean, I'm 38. I'm going to be 39 this month. You act like we're not the same age. I know exactly. (laughs) That's right. I can forget it. Um, But that, 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 the lack of inhibitions in like a healthy way, you know, like I'll talk about anything with anyone. Uh, and then you go through a phase where you're like so guarded and, and now I'm only recently um, starting to regain that back. You know, that's really, if funny. I hide nothing, then I have nothing to hide. You know? Exactly. I had to learn that. I also <laughs> now understand that vulnerability is not a weakness, but a great weapon. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cause yeah. walking around vulnerability first is the best because people know that they can be vulnerable with me. They know I'll give them an honest answer. And if anybody attacks the vulnerability for the sake of attacking the vulnerability, it's out there. It's the first thing that steps in the door so they can attack it. And I can know the level of trust I have in that person immediately because the people that like to attack vulnerability do it immediately. They can't help themselves. Mm. And so as I've said to other people, it's like, it lets me know exactly who to block immediately. Mm. It's perfect. I know exactly mm. how much distance to keep at people by how they react to my, to my vulnerability. Would you say that's your biggest deterrent of anyone is someone who, who chooses not to be vulnerable? Or what is like another character quality that is just so abrasive to you that you just can't stomach? 
Mm. Huh, that's an interesting one. You know what? It really, to me, the first thing I notice is the amount of awareness someone does or doesn't have. Mm. Because if they're not aware, they're not in control at all of their own things. Mm. Like mm-hmm. they're just, everything's wild around them mm. and they can't control themselves to figure out how to deal with that. And I'm not saying that people need to control everything around them, but you need to be able to control yourself. We all know that we can't control things outside of our own bodies. But if you also cannot control your own body within that, you're a whirlwind that I don't want to be around. Yes. So I need to know if somebody's awareness, if they're aware of that or not. And then sometimes I allow people who definitely are aware, but don't care that they're aware and they run around like a whirlwind's just the right thing. And I kind of yeah. find that funny to watch. Yeah. But I also, through time, will eventually get rid of all those people too. Okay. They naturally, you kind of naturally drift away. You don't yeah, do anything yeah. in fight to Exactly. No, I enjoy watching it. So I enjoy watching it until to the point where I'm like, this is becoming dangerous to me emotionally or physically dangerous. And you go, okay, I'm just going to stop returning these calls. Hmm. So yeah. that's the, I look at those things. And then the next thing I look at is the amount of neediness a person has because okay. I don't have a lot to give to those people. Hmm. So when people come at me with a very needy thing, I find myself giving them a lot of distance. Okay. I can take <laughs> it some love, people. here's distance. <laughs> yes. No, it's like, if you need love and I don't know you that well, I can't yeah. really give it. The people who I'm right. willing to give the love to know it very much. Yeah. But if someone yeah. is just like, no, I need love from everybody. Like, you're like, ah, oh, I need you to get the fuck away from me. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you probably recognize that that person will never be satisfied. That's like a black hole. They never love. will, of course. Yeah. And that's why they yeah. just go straight from like, Hey, Danny, can, uh, can I receive all your love and attention right now? And I need absolutely all of it <laughs> like, immediately. Ah. And then you give it, and then like, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go. Like, okay, cool. And then they go to the next room. Hey, person saying this is Danny. I need absolutely all your love and attention. I need all of it. You're like, yeah, I can't deal with that. It's so draining. Yeah, yeah. Have you had any relationships like that? Like, like intimate female relationships that way? Intimate female relationships, no. I was really describing a brand Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. There's a lot of comedians that have that. And you're just like, yes, I know. I see you. Yeah, you're totally here. But I'm not for you emotionally. Like, so I keep a distance Whoa. from a lot of comedians because comedians can be very needy. Really? Is it yeah. true? I don't know. Is it true that, like, a lot of comedy is born from tragedy? Like, like almost every great comedian has had, like, this tragic upbringing. I guess except Jerry Seinfeld didn't have that. But anyone else I, does. I don't believe it. I don't okay. believe it. Okay. I, I know that there's the trope of the sad clown. Yeah, right. And, I, right. and I'm sorry for the sad clowns listening, but I feel like a lot of it's a choice. And I think Ooh. it's a very romantic thing that people have. Yeah. They're just like, oh, I'm so sad. I must be a comedian. You know, like, mm. or like the acts that go up. I hear who are like, back in the day, the trope was, my wife sucks. Like a lot of comedians who do these, my wife sucks jokes. Oh but yeah, like the Rodney Dangerfield stuff, right? Like, but a lot yeah. of nowadays comedians do, my life sucks. And it's just about how uh, everything's shitty and everything's shitty and everything's shitty. And I was just like, that's the rose colored glasses you put on. If you're really funny, you can put on any pair of glasses and make it funny. Yeah, that's good. So that's I believe in that. Okay. Wow, I had no idea about that. I, I felt like comedy, comedians are like the kings of the world. Like, they can walk into any room and befriend anyone and charm the whole crowd. And how lovely that must be. No, you can charm the crowd. You can't charm the individual. Mm. 
Mm, <laughs> no good. part of the training yeah. is about how to deal with somebody one on one. Okay. And you that just hope sense. that after you charm the whole crowd, then you talk to them as individuals and you've already charmed them. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's how that works more often than not, I think. There you go. Did I answer all your questions? I know you had a lot of questions. You just dropped the mic. That was great. That was like, I felt I like know. I'm interviewing you. It was great. Okay, I know I'm throwing like 40 people under the bus by saying this, but I think I love Danny Gabe more than all my other guests. Excluding my brothers, my sister, maybe a tie with Cameron and Andy. Yeah, I know I left out Melissa. She doesn't listen to this anyways. Actually, I know 100% Melissa does listen to this, and she's definitely going to be like, I can't believe that I wasn't the first name out your mouth. I love you, Melissa. Danny Gabe, I love you more than Melissa. I want you to know that if you're listening. I know you're listening. Melissa, you back off and you erase that text message right now. This is about Danny Gabe. Give him his moment. All right, there we go. Now that we got that set aside, Danny doesn't even want me to promote anything. Danny came on purely. He sent me a DM that was like, hey, I want to ask you specific questions about specific things on your show. I want to ask you about your show and your life. And I was like, would you mind making an episode? And he was like, totally down. And that's how this all came together. So this is just, was set up for me to be narcissistic. This was just set up for me to just talk about me. And believe it or not, I showed up on time for it and everything. You know, like that's how that worked. I, uh, I'm really happy with this one. I love this episode. It's very personal, of course, which, of course, is probably why I love it. Because it's like, oh, it's all about you. That's why you love this one? Yes. I love some of the other ones that aren't about me, too, by the way. I, uh, I think the Thomas Germaine episode that's about targeted ads and not about either of us is a great episode. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. I'm just going to, every episode, I'll also promote one of the episodes that's already out. And then, I don't even know who I have coming out on Monday because I haven't recorded it yet. I'm doing a couple this week, and I, whatever one jumps out at me the, the most... I'm uh, hoping the next episode is Jeff Zenesek. Very funny. We'll see what happens. I got a new computer. If the new computer's as great as I think it is, Jeff Zenesek's coming out on Monday. If not, I'm not sure who's next. I don't know. I don't know! It's a mystery to me, too. I, I've been really j- enjoying promoting the episodes that come out right before they come out. And now, I, I don't have it. What can I say? I'm out. Guys, thank you so much for putting up with me through all this. Thank you for checking all this stuff out. If uh, everything occurs correctly, I should have my enamel pins in by now. Uh, check my Instagram, see if I have them out. If uh, you want an enamel pin of my face, I'm putting that in with a bunch of stickers. you got to buy all the promo in one pack for $10. Just DM me that $10 with your address, and I will send you that stuff. I cannot wait to send all of this stuff out of here because I don't need... I don't need this many stickers of myself, but I want you guys to put it in bathrooms, and I want you to put the enamel pins in your arms straight up so they bleed and looks like tattoos, but you're also, like, bleeding. And if you tag yourself in anything where you're bleeding and my pins all the way in your skin, I will share that picture. I promise you that. Promise you. So thank you again for putting up with me, and thank you for listening, and I said it backwards.
I'm right or whether I'm wrong. Whether I find a place in this world or never belong. I've got to be me. I gotta be me. 